that we have up on our, our website. You might have seen it on Facebook or threw it up there on the banner as well. And uh, I'm finding a chance to meet you when you came in this morning. My name is Harold, and I'm the campus pastor here at uh, Grace Point Church. We're a campus uh, of Grace Community Church, which is down in Fremont, Ohio. And uh, we have a new campus starting in Tiffin, Ohio, just south of Fremont. And so this past week, um, they were able to get the GC, our logo, up on the building, thanks to, to Hagen, the company he works for, uh, Christy Machine, and then some of the volunteers from Fremont were down there getting that rolling. And um, some other pitches we have here for you, just to kind of um, give you an idea of what's going on down there. On uh, September 15th, we're starting what we call the, the soft launch. And what that is, is basically the launch team that is committed to being a part of Tiffin and helping that church get rolling. They'll be meeting for a couple weeks, just a launch team. I'm sure there'll be people from the community might show up as well, but um, it's mainly for them to kind of work out the bugs. We did that here a couple years ago when we got rolling. We had about four weeks where we just met as a launch team and kind of got our bearings and how things would work here at the building. Same thing for them. And then um, on the 29th, i to make sure I get my dates right, is the, the grand opening. It's when things are going to be kicked off. Uh, down there in Tiffin. And uh, for the soft launch, we're going to do a series called All In and All Out. And the idea there is talking about this incredible privilege we have of being a part of uh, God's family, the church, Jesus' body. Uh, and then for uh, the hard launch, or the grand opening, we're going to do a series called Why Believe. And we're looking at why it is we believe what we believe about the Bible, about who Jesus Christ is, about our need for Him to be our Savior and Lord, uh, and talking about some of the basics of Christianity. And so all three campuses will be doing that, and so it'll be a great opportunity for you to invite your friends. You know, we've been talking about this um, idea of, of deploying and, uh, to, for others to reach out for Christ, and, um, and so that's what we want to be a part of uh, as Grace Point Church, as Grace Community Church. And people say, well, why are you Grace Point Church and not Grace Community Church? Well, if you're familiar with the area, there's a Grace Community Church right over here on 51. In fact, if I, in my younger days, I could probably throw you know, a rock and actually hit the building from here. Uh, probably not, but... Um, anyways. Uh, so, I could throw pretty far, but um, probably not that far. But anyways, so you can't steal somebody else's name. It wouldn't be nice. Uh, so we went with Grace Point Church, which I kind of like Grace Point Church. But um, anyways, but we're still connected with with Fremont. Uh, just a word about the German-American Festival, because again, some of you uh, might be new to our church and be wondering, why in the world would you guys be volunteering at a German-American Festival? Well, again, we've been talking about, and that'll be up on the screen a little bit here, uh, but we've been talking about what is it that we're supposed to be about as Christians, as followers of Christ. Jesus would have been at that festival. Amen. Okay? So we're going to be at that festival. And the, the point of it is to, there's people there who need to know about Christ. And so we're going to be there. We're going to be for the community. We want to help the community out. And uh, so if you're going to help with that, it's a great opportunity. Just wear your Grace Point shirt, the gray one or the orange one. Let people know where you go to church. Somebody may even ask you about it. You can feel free to tell them about our church. And, and maybe God's been working in their lives in order to uh, draw them to Christ. And so we want to be a part of the community. We want to be helping the community um, and so that's why we're doing what we're doing for that, and then also for the Northwood Fall Festival. Um, 
Anyways, uh, and also, uh, I would appreciate prayers. I'm dealing with a head cold today, and with this size head, <laughs> whoa, um, <clears throat> it can really do some things to you. Uh, why did you guys laugh at that? that making fun of me. Um, so yeah, I had a head cold blow up on Sunday on the way out to visit my parents, of all things, and, um, and then, of course, being the good son that I am, I shared it with my father. Um, so be praying for him too. 94 years old, he shouldn't be dealing with a cold, but um, I've apologized. He's forgiven me, <laughs> and we're moving on. Um, well, I think, I think I can say this, that we've all probably wondered at one time or another in our lives, is this all that life is? Is, is there more to life than what we're experiencing? And again, for me, I've asked that question literally out loud to God. Really? Is this all there is? Uh, at the time, I was a building engineer uh, out in Colorado at a high school, so you can imagine what that job entailed, uh, dealing with high school kids and cleaning up buildings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and in this series, this series Made for More, which we're wrapping up today, we're taking our newly remodeled mission statement, which was a little bit longer, and we're shrinking it down to four words. But in those four words, there is the explanation of how life could be more. Uh, it, the, the more that God has made us for, if you want to put it that way, is found in these four things. And if we would be committed to putting our lives into these four things, God says to us, you will experience the more that I have for you. Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. And that word abundant life, if we were to put it into our language today, it would be knock your socks off. It would be like a life that you could never believe you could experience. It's so unbelievable. Not that you don't have troubles, not that you don't have problems in your life, but, that because, but through those problems, through those struggles, you get to know who God is better and then he uses those things in order to impact people for Christ. And so we've put together these four words, um, discover, decide, demonstrate, and deploy. And so we've been talking about those for the last several weeks. We're wrapping up the series today. And so we talked about discover truth. And, it's, and ultimately, we want people to discover the truth of Scripture. But the ultimate truth is of who we are, and that is that we're sinners separated from God, and that we need a Savior Otherwise, if we're, if we're left to ourselves, that we find ourselves living in eternity in hell, separated from God, that that's a biblical truth, a truth of life. But then to decide on Jesus, because Jesus, part of the truth is that God put on flesh and lived on this earth, and the only thing that could be done in order to rescue us from hell was done by Jesus by God in the flesh, God the Son. He's the only one who's powerful enough, infinitely powerful, to be able to die the eternal death of every person who's ever lived. And he did that when he died on the cross, and then he gave us victory when he rose from the dead. And so we, we want people, and our desire is for people to decide on Jesus, to see who Jesus really is, and give their life to him. to Say, God, forgive you my sins. I'm trusting that Jesus died for my sins. And, and again, we've talked a lot about this, but real quickly, when you do that, the Bible tells us that God forgives us of our sins. He places God, the Holy Spirit, in our lives. 
who then is responsible to continue to give us understanding of biblical truth, empower us to do life God's way so that other people can see what a Christian looks like, and we'll talk more about that today from John 17. Um, and then he's our guarantee. Ephesians 1 tells us he's our guarantee so that when we die physically, he will take us to heaven. He's our signed guarantee, our seal, as um, God calls it. And so to decide on Jesus' ultimate uh, desire of God's is that we would decide on Jesus. And then we demonstrate change. That when God then takes over your life, Jesus is Savior and Lord, and Lord means master, means one who is in control. And so then we start changing as we see uh, and understand how God views things and, and why God has done the things that he's done in this world. When we begin to spend time with him in the Bible and understand more about what he's doing, we begin to think differently. We begin to respond differently. Our lives look different. And then people go, you're responding to life differently. Why do you do that? Well, you know, I found a great philosophy of life, and I just really feel like I need to be able to... You know, we start, sadly, times we don't get to the crux of the issue. We say, listen, I gave my life to Christ, and I've connected. I've been, a relationship's been restored with God, the one who's created me, and I want to do life God's way. And when I do it God's way, God seems to just make those, everything work like it's supposed to. My marriage has gotten better. My relationship with my kids or with my parents have gotten better. My, my job situation, I understand why I go to work now. It's not just to make money, but it's, it's to go there and, and impact people for Christ and represent Christ. So our lives change because our purpose for our life has changed. Now we're God's, and God's going to use us. Use us. Why? We'll talk more about it today, but to represent Him and to draw other people to Christ so they can discover truth, they can decide on Jesus, they can have to demonstrate change in their lives, so we then deploy for others. And we deploy for others in two ways. We serve our church family, and then we share the gospel with other people. We share the good news, gospel is good news, with other people about who they are, who Jesus is, how much God, is, how much God loves them, and how they can have a relationship with him. And so we experience the more that God has made us for only when we commit to doing these four things in our lives. See, oftentimes for, for Christians, we're as discouraged with life as somebody who doesn't know Christ because we are so focused on everything other than what God says for us to be focused on. We've placed our faith in Christ, but we live as if we don't have a relationship with him. We respond to our spouses the way we've always responded to them. We respond to our kids. Our kids respond to their parents the way they've always responded to them. They go to work for the same purposes. They've always gone to work, so therefore there's frustration at the work because they're there for, for money rather than for impact. They have the same relationships with their neighbors who are frustrating them and irritating them because of how whatever they're doing. By the way, if you go up on Facebook and you get part of those community pages, if you want to have some fun reading... Read about all the neighborhood conflict that goes on. And I'm just, uh, 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 I tell you, it's so much fun. Um, I spend time reading through that. It's good stuff. But point is, if we focus on these four things, then we're going to experience the more that we were created for. And again, this morning we're going to talk a little bit um, about that as well. Um, so this morning we want to turn to John 17. If you're going to use the Bible here in the... Seats. It's page 1081. 
But John 17, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I thought this would be a great passage to, um, to wrap this message up, or the series up with. John 17 is Jesus' prayer for his disciples, including you and me. Those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was praying for you. And some believe this is his ongoing prayer in heaven for us. Jesus has just got done in the previous chapters letting the disciples know that, hey, I'm going to be leaving this earth, I'm going to be dying on a cross, and then I'm going to leave this earth. And the mission is all yours. If you read in chapter 16, he says, I'm going to tell you these things because I want you to be at peace. I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be afraid of the fact that I'm leaving. And he's explained to him about the Holy Spirit coming and, and being empowering them and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I was kind of thinking, you know, we talked a lot about sharing our faith last week and what that looks like. And I know people can get um, a little nervous about that and scared. And I thought, you know, John 17, the whole purpose of it is to give Christians um, encouragement and, and all that. And so I want us to look at John 17, Jesus' prayer for us. And we're going to see... Three things. Again, Jesus is the one that, he's our example. He's God, so we get that. And so he's going to live a perfect life. But he's also our example. And so if we want to experience the life that God has promised us, then it makes sense that we would follow Jesus' example. And in this prayer, he kind of summarizes what his life was all about as he's praying to God the Father about us. And so we're going to see three things out of this, um, this prayer that like Jesus, disciples live to represent God, disciples live to make disciples, and disciples live to know Jesus. That's what our life is all about, to represent, to help other people come to Christ, and to know him intimately, to know him well. Each word has, has a, a key word that we're going to focus in on, and then I'm going to um, kind of break that down with the verses. There's a lot in here. We're not going to cover every little bit. Um, it would be a great study for you to go through on your own. But uh, we're going to hit some key verse or key words and then break it down from there. So let's jump into it. So verses 1 through 5, this is uh, disciples live to represent God. I'm kind of putting it in our language today. I was joking with some people today, you know, we have the Christianese, so we can use the word glorify, but... I've never gone to, to any work I've ever had and, other than in church um, and never talked about glorifying, you know, what are you talking about, all right, as the idea of representing. But it says this, so one through five. So Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. So he's just got done telling the disciples, hey, I'm going to be dying on a cross. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested and die on a cross. And, and he prays, and then in chapter 18, if you know the John... Gospel of John, well, now he gets arrested. Okay, so this is right, you know, this is happening. The hour's come, I'm going to be arrested. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life. You guys want a definition of eternal life? Here it is. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Real quick definition of what eternal life is. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. 
Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had before the world was. Anybody catch what the key word is in this? I, I told you earlier, it's kind of an obvious. Glorify or glory, right? So, whoop, look at that, that changed colors even. So the key, key word here is this word glorify. And he's glorified by having accomplished the work which God has given him to do. And he's even looking forward to the, the, um, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection. So he's talking about everything that God has called him to do on this earth. And he's done it. He's glorified God. Now the word glorify, it's a small word, but it has a lot of meaning to it. Okay, uh, To glorify, especially when you're talking about God, is to give God honor, um, is to um, show and tell people who God is in the sense of his character and his attributes and his power and his purpose. It really, the way I put it this way, I have represent God, that's one way of doing it. Another way you could do it is kind of shine a spotlight on him. And so what Jesus is saying is, my life was all about shining a spotlight on who God is. What I talked about, how I responded to people, as I met people's needs, and as I encouraged people, and as I challenged people. It was all about helping them understand who God is, what God is like, what His purpose is. And so, it's cool because, now again, Jesus is God, so we've got the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one. And Jesus, while on earth, was looking to God saying, okay, and we've talked about this in the last several weeks, okay, God, I'm not going to do anything unless you tell me to do it. Now, again, he's God, so he knows what God wants me to do, but as a, he's giving us the example saying, what you need to be doing then, follower of mine, you need to be looking to God saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to do in and through my life? What is it that I, can, that, that I need to do? Not what do I want to do, but what do you want to do in and through me? What should I be adjusting my life to, in other words, so that I'm glorifying you with my life? So that I'm doing life in such a way that it shines a spotlight on who you are and how good you are. Jesus lived his life for that purpose and that purpose alone. Now, Jesus didn't have a job like we do, but he, he went around and impacted people. He was interacting with people. And so just because he didn't have maybe the things that we have, a house, a neighborhood, a job, our responsibility is to glorify God. A disciple means one who follows after. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ... Oftentimes we do that, and it's kind of interesting. A lot of times we'll give our life to Christ, and, and I'll ask this question a lot of times, um, why did Jesus come to the earth? And inevitably, someone will raise their hand and say, well, to die for our sins. Yes, but no. Yes, he did. But no, in the sense that he came to earth in obedience to God the Father. He came to earth to glorify God. Part of the glorification of God was him obeying God the Father and going to the cross for us. But his focus was, I want to bring glory to God the Father 
with my life, and I'm going to be obedient to him, which is one of the ways that he's shown that. And so whether it was word or action, Jesus represented God to others. He shone a spotlight on who God was. And that glorification then, as I said, provided us salvation. His willingness to obey God, to sacrifice himself. You know, in the garden, he he went on to pray, Lord, if this could pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. All right, so again, demonstrating to us, we might not like God's will for us because we kind of like our life the way it is, but there's, we're made for more. There's more to it. And we've got to trust that God has our life in his hands, and so we need to respond to life the way he wants. We need to sacrifice ourselves. And in this case, <coughs> excuse me, he did so that we would have eternal life. And what is eternal life? That they may know you, God the Father, the only true God, not any other God, not giving your life to any other thing, a lot of times what we do is we start looking at our, our jobs as our God, right? Because that's where we get our money, and we need our money, and so I'm going to give my life to my job, because that's where I get my money. Nowhere in Scripture does God ever say your job is what gives you money. God says, you represent me well at your job, I will meet your needs. That's, that's glorifying God. And too often we start worshiping other things. This or that's going to give me peace. This or that's going to give me joy. When peace and joy are only found... Yeah. That was to catch your attention. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, don't put me to sleep, guys. I'm already falling asleep as it is. Anyways. So this word know means to know something... Absolutely. To be resolved, to be convinced. And so what he's saying here is that salvation is um, being convinced of who God is, who Jesus is, and being resolved and committed to that. So when he says no, to know him means I, I understand who I am, that I'm a sinner, and I'm separated from God, and, and I also understand I'm convinced that when Jesus died on the cross for me, he did that for me. And that not only that, but once I give my life to him and I receive his forgiveness and I have a restored relationship with God, I'm convinced that the only one I should be worshiping in my life is God himself. And that will be reflected in the way I live my life. Otherwise, we're turning to other things that we're worshiping other things rather than God. And so the, the question for us is, do our words, do our responses to life, does our overall view of life, is it all about representing God to other people? This is kind of weird. I must be hot this morning. We're kind of heating things up up here. Is it my head reflecting the heat back onto these spotlights? Is that what's happening here, Greg? It's kind of funny. Every once in a while, that little controller back there, I don't mean Greg, I mean the actual Mechanical controller starts freaking out on us. Does our lives, speaking of spotlights, put a spotlight on God so that other people are convinced of who God is? 
You know, I was thinking about it this morning. I'm just like, wow, I mean, do, are people convinced of who God is based on what they see in my life and what I talk about and, and how I respond? Let's continue on with what Jesus is talking about or praying about. This is a longer section, and we're not going to break this thing down too far because it's a lot. Stick with me. It gets kind of wordy. Jesus' prayer sounds like one of Paul's writings where he gets a little bit wordy. But He says, I've manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know, same word, convinced, that everything you have given me is from you, for the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them, and they truly understood that I came forth from you. Let's just leave the lights off. Just kill them. Um, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf, and he says a bunch of things here, so stick with me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. In other words, those who are not followers of Christ. But of those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. You're catching here the connection. Jesus is saying, basically, hey, everybody, I'm God, okay? <laughs> Whatever is God's is mine, mine is God's, I'm God. And I've given, and I've been glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Now here's the request. I ask on their behalf, Holy Father, keep them in your name the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you, gave, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition. He's talking about Judas. So the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that, my, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He repeats that. Sanctify them, or set them apart for your purposes. In the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, or I set myself apart for your purposes, that they themselves may also be set apart for your purposes in truth, truth which comes from God's Word. So let's break this down. He says, I have manifested your name. That's the key, key phrase here, manifested. Now manifested is similar, but not the same as glorify. So glorify, glorification, glory, is, is kind of this overall uh, attitude, okay? Manifested has this, and I'll just read it. It says, what can be perceived with the senses, but in such a way that perception involves understanding. So glorified is God-focused. I, I want to represent God. Manifested is more man-focused. What I'm glorifying God about, who he is, I want people around me to be able to understand that with their senses. We were talking about this yesterday. We had a little family party, and uh, 
we always say, you know, faith is, some people say faith is blind faith. Not according to Jesus. Seeing is believing. Here's the problem. Too many people don't see Christians doing life God's way, and so they have no clue who God is or what God is like, or they get a wrong perception of who God is. They see God as a judging God, as a God who hates people, as a God who has a bunch of rules. i got to do this, 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 in order to gain his, his love. And that's not what the Bible teaches, but too many Christians, for whatever reason, or people who call themselves Christians, are representing him that way. Jesus manifested. He, he, he gave physical outworking of who God is by how he dealt with people how he responded to people. So when we hear that God is love, Jesus demonstrated physically love. When, when he talks about uh, the fact that he, he cares about people, uh, and obviously ultimately going to the cross, point is, it's, it's manifesting. It's allowing people to, to feel with their senses, to see with their eyes, to, to feel the emotion in their heart to feel it happening to them. Jesus was doing that for his disciples, and they were convinced. In the, in the first century, and even before that, it's become less and less, your name meant everything. You were given your name by your parents because that's what you were supposed to live up to. So my name is Harold, and uh, I don't know if you know, but in, in Norwegian, Harold means leader of many armies. And Bjerga means bedrock. It's, it's a, in a fjord, you have the mountains, and it's a, the piece of mountain under the, the water. So my name means leader of many armies, armies strong, bedrock, that type of thing. Um, and again, smell isn't everything, I always tell you. I'm strong, but smell isn't everything. Um, but I remember learning that as a kid, and that made an impact on me. I don't like the name Harold. I think it sounds weird. And when I say it, it sounds even more weird. But I like what it means. And, I, and I've, I've taken that to heart. And, I, and in a lot of ways, I try to live up to that name that my parents gave me. They named me after one of the 12 kings of old of Norway. And he has a whole story. His, his name is Harold Harfarger. And Harfarger means fair-haired. So do you get the irony? Yeah, okay. So... Um, so to manifest God's name meant that Jesus' life allowed others to physically, emotionally feel and understand who God was. And the disciples understood God's love because Jesus personally demonstrated it. And so the question for us, when people are around us, are they personally experiencing who God is? Do they know that God loves them because we're in their life? Do, do they know that God cares about them and wants to meet their needs because we're in their lives and we're helping meet their needs? It's, it's something that we need to be thinking about and adjusting our lives to if it's not lining up. So now Jesus has made his disciples, the twelve. He goes on, and now this, has, this section of his prayer is, is all about knowing who he is, and there's a key word that we'll be 
looking at. But he goes, um, I think we need to move on here. Uh, oh, yeah, stop right here. I forgot to mention this. So here's one of the things that he prays, just kind of just throws out there. He says, um, I come to you, and, and these things I speak in the world. In other words, I want my disciples to hear me say this, and I want the disciples in the future to read this so that my joy may be full in themselves. He's saying, protect them from the evil one. Then he goes on and says, the world's going to hate you. But in the middle of that, he goes, I want, I want them to know that they can have my joy full. And so, again, in living out the life that God has for us and sharing Christ with other people, that's where we experience the joy of Christ in the midst of people who may be upset with us and may not like the fact that we follow Christ and may give us a, big, you know, a difficult time. Um, yes, let's roll through and get to verse 20. There you go, right there. Oop, back. So he moves on. And so now a disciple lives to know Jesus. And I just kind of phrase it this way, and you'll see, hopefully see why. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That's, so this is you and me. So you can put your name in there, if you'd like. If you're a follower of Christ, you can put your name in. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is thinking about you, praying for you. So that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. The spotlight which you put on me, I am now putting on them, is what he's saying that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, here he goes again, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, not just sent me, but love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, Yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's a key word in here, and that is the word one, or unity. The idea of being unified. Now I want to point something out here. This word unified has everything to do with unity around the gospel. There are a lot of churches who are unified around a lot of different things, but they're not unified around what God wants them to be unified around, and that is the gospel, of seeing people come to Christ. Not that it's wrong to be unified around meeting people's needs, doing a kind of a social gospel, not that there's anything wrong being unified around some sort of, you know, um, traditional teaching that they have or whatever. But when that becomes the sole focus, then that becomes wrong. Because our unity, our unity with Christ, our unity with previous disciples and future disciples, our unity with God, and that all means knowing who God is, truly understanding who He is, is all wrapped around us being focused on being used by God to reach people for Christ. That if, you, if you want to truly know who Jesus is, if you want to truly experience God at work in your life, and you're going, wow, that was God, the best way to do that 
really the only way, according to what Jesus is saying here, is to be sharing your faith, looking for opportunities to meet people's needs in order to share your faith. Jesus didn't just heal people. He didn't just meet their needs. He met their needs in order to have the opportunity, the window right, to share who he was, who God was. So yeah, meet people's needs. But you're doing it so that they can have their, the ultimate need met. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we are, in, we are to be unified with each other. We're to be unified with God. We're to be unified in its unity around the gospel. And how do I know that? Well, here in this end of this verse, 21, why, why is all this unity stuff happening? Which, by the way, his word is involved. You've got to have God's word. So you have to know his word. But why is all that? So that the world may believe that you sent me. When we're unified, when we're teaching the same gospel that Jesus taught, that Paul taught, when we're doing that still after all these years, that helps people understand, wow, Jesus was sent here from God. And again, God's at work here making that make sense. But they're discovering the truth. And then he says, he repeats it again, why is this oneness happening? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them. So it's more than just, our unity together is more than just people going, oh, yeah, so he was, yeah, God, Jesus came from God, cool. But because we're seeking to glorify God and we're seeking to manifest Him, now they know that they're loved by Him. How can you believe in somebody that you don't know? It starts with us revealing to them who He is by how we treat them, by how we respond to them, how we care about them. That's what Jesus did for us, right? He talked about God. He healed people and did some incredible, powerful things, and then he died on the cross, and our minds and our hearts went right to that cross and go, man, if that's what God means, if, if that's what he's going to do for me, then I want some of that. I, I want to know this God who would be willing to die for me. But if we never sacrifice for people, if we never put aside what we may want to do or what we think we should be doing in order to focus our lives on other people and helping them know Christ, they'll never know that God is a sacrificing God. Because those who say are his people are not sacrificing. So we have an incredible privilege. And if we, if we truly want to know what it means to be made for more, to, to truly experience what this life is and what God has for us, we need to be about representing God in every area of our lives. And we need to be uh, manifesting Him and, and being a physical representation in the lives of people. And in, th in that, we need to get to know Him, and we get to know Him through that. Some years ago, uh, I was going through John 17. I came up in my head, it's kind of came up, you know, this is kind of like Jesus' life mission. His life mission is to glorify God through an obedient life that drew people to Him for salvation and to prepare them to share Him. I've actually adjusted that little. If you've heard this before, you'll notice it's a little bit of an adjustment at the end. Jesus came to glorify God. That's why He came. 
And he did that by living an obedient life, doing life the way God wanted him to do it. All of his priorities set aside, if you want to call it that, and focused on who God was and what God wanted. To draw people to him for salvation. So his glory, his desire to glorify God, his willingness to obey, meant that he died for us, and then he rose again for us. And then he prepared others to do the same thing. So when I wrote that down, I thought, what a perfect mission statement, life mission statement for, for me, for any Christian, but for me. So I, I've taken that as my mission statement in life, to glorify God to, in every area of my life, to, to try to make sure that I'm doing it for God's purposes. So my job is no longer for me to earn money, and even this, this job as a pastor, I'm not here to earn money. When I was a building engineer, when I was a carpenter, it wasn't to, to earn money, it was to glorify God by being the best employee I could possibly be and to talk to people about who God was, what God was doing in my life, why it was that I was able to handle bosses who I didn't like, but to respond to them in a, in a kind way, in a nice way, and, and continue doing my job. I'm telling you, some people freaked out when that happened. But then in that, I was able to share with them who Jesus Christ was because they're like, nobody lives that way. Well, yeah, Jesus did, and I'm trying to do life his way because he died on the cross for me, and, and now I, I worship him, and I live for him, and he's my heavenly father, and he's going to take me to heaven one day. You know, I started throwing as much as I could at one time. You know, <laughs> dumping in there. So, so takeaways. First of all, if you're here this morning, and uh, there's no better way, I mean, you know, see a non-Christian. If, you, if you've never given your life to Christ, and you're thinking to yourself, man, there's got to be more to life, because I guarantee you, even Christians think that way. I've thought that way. That if, if you've never given your life to Christ, that's where it starts. That's where the more starts. Giving your life to Christ, turning your life over to Him. It's only found through faith in Jesus Christ. And really, until you take that step of faith, you, you won't know it. Because you can't know it. Because it's only when God's in your life that it makes that kind of sense. And it's simply this. In fact, you know, somebody this past week that um, in their home understood this and accepted the Lord as their Savior. So you don't need me. You know, I'm always available, but you don't need. It's just you understanding that you're a sinner separated from Christ. You're going to spend eternity in hell without him. And it's not because he's so mean, but that's just justice. That's what happens. But that he's a loving God. <laughs> he says, okay, so that's what's going to happen without me. I'm the only one who can solve your problem, and I've done it. I've died for you. So just trust me. Just believe me that I did that for you. Ask me to forgive your sins. I will. Place your faith in Christ. And, it, and when you do that, when you make that transaction happen, when you have that conversation with God, your heart to his heart, and you say, I'm giving up, and I want you to forgive my sins, I'm trusting in Christ, and Christ alone for my salvation, there's a spiritual thing that happens, a transaction that takes place, where your spiritually dead body, um, soul, becomes spiritually alive because God's Holy Spirit has been placed in you. Your sins are forgiven. 
The Holy Spirit is living in you now to empower you, to teach you, to help you understand what, why God has made you the way you are and how he wants to use you in this life. And then when you die, you are guaranteed entrance into heaven because it's God who is the one who saves. And it's simply making that conversation or having a conversation with him. If you're a Christian, are you experiencing the more that God has, has for you? Are you glorifying God? Are, are his priorities your priorities? And what I would encourage you to do is maybe sometime this week, sit down and write down what are your priorities. This, 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 write them down. And then take God's word, open it up, start praying, have a conversation with God. And say, okay, Lord, help me. Help me to know, are my priorities your priorities? And are your priorities my priorities? And where your priorities are off, commit to make the adjustments that are necessary. Because in that process, you will experience the peace and joy that God wants you to have. Because you'll begin to prioritize your lives and your life will be ordered. And, and it'll make more sense as to why you're doing what you're doing. Or maybe, you know, don't have to be doing some of the things that you're currently doing. Manifest God. Do people know God better because of you? Do people have a better understanding of who God is because of they're watching your life? What you care about? How you care about them? And lastly, do you know God better because you're living like Jesus? The only way we can truly know somebody is to live their life. Walk in their sandals, right? And so do we know Jesus? Are we unified with him in this idea of the gospel and sharing the gospel with people? Because in that, we'll know him and we'll know him well because he'll be working in and through us to make that happen. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm closing prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this morning and um, thank you for this prayer that Jesus prayed for we who are his followers and, and any of those who ever come to him after today that you are, you're praying for them, you've prayed for them and, and that you care so much so, not just cared enough to pray for us, but cared enough to, give your, to have given your life for us. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that they would connect with you, and allow you to restore that relationship with you through faith in Christ. I pray, Lord, that for those of us who do know you, that we'd begin to look at our lives and really determine, are we doing life the way you want us to do it? Are we experiencing the joy, the peace that comes from doing life your way? And are we making the impact in this world that you want us to make because of it? Not building our little kingdoms, but building your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do your work in the hearts of people this morning. Praisings in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for being with us. Have a great rest of the week and represent Christ well.